0: Welcome to Momentum Church. John chapter 9. I want you to open your Bibles to John chapter 9. While you're turning to your Bibles, let me ask you guys something. How many here, um, you are into gardening? Anybody? Let me see. Anybody? No? You're kind of a gardener? Okay. Anybody else over here? Yeah, me neither, you know. I want to be. I've always looked at my backyard like, you know what? Someday I'm going to have plants, and it's going to be glorious. And we have lived there, I think, 15 years, and we have no plants. But someday. And but when it comes to gardening, you guys know how it is. You have dirt that you're going to have to deal with. And here in Georgia, we have hard dirt. You know, in in Ohio, man, my county I grew up in is called Richland County. The dirt is black. I mean, it—you can you just dig a shovel into it and it just sinks down three feet. I mean, it's like that kind of dirt. Super amazing soil. But here, it's a little bit of hard work. And so you know how it is. If you're going to grow something, you've got to get in and you've got to break up the soil. You've got to till. I'm going to do this with my hands. You've got to till the soil. Why? You got to till the soil so that, everybody say, so that, so that it's prepared to receive the seed, right? I mean, you just got to do that. And so you you, you go into this hard dirt, you begin to till that soil, you begin to work that up, and now you can prepare to plant the seeds. I got some seeds right here. I'm going to plant these seeds. So that's the next step. So you, you till the soil so that you can get down and you can plant the seeds. Once you do that, what do you have to do? You need some water, right? Yeah. So you got to water the plant. Yeah, you do. You got to water the plant. Get some water in there, you know? And then there's times as it starts to grow, you got to deal with like picking out stuff. You got to get all the junk out of there, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a process to be able to see this Plant come to life. And, and I really want to be somebody that enjoys that process. I'm just, I'm just not. I, I want to see instant. I want to see, I want to do this. I don't want to pick weeds. I don't want to deal with the mess. I want my plant and I want it now. I started doing something with my kids. I'll go, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want that. Just being stupid, kind of uh, mocking them. And, and now my kids will say, hey, dad, do that, I don't like that. Do that, do that, do that, I don't like that. It's so, it's not, mom, I don't like that, I don't want it. But that's how we are sometimes in life. I want my plan, I want it now, I don't, like, I don't like all the mess, God, I don't want all that. You know. Let's stand to our feet, I want to honor God's word today. In John chapter 9, verse 1 through 11, we're going to read through and then we'll just kind of come back and break it down. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that, shout so that, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After this, he spit on the ground. He made some mud with saliva. Everybody say, ooh. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. He took it, and he put it in somebody's eyes. Yeah. You know, I just want my miracle. I I don't want mud in my eye, you know. I saw a pastor not too long ago last year do this same sermon. Not my sermon, but this same text And literally, he brought an associate up and he went, I'm swear. He he got a, he, every, you know what a loogie is? Come on, somebody. He got a loogie. Who saw this? God is my witness. I know my staff because we were like, oh, heck no. Oh, heck no. He got a loogie and literally went into his associate's eye. I tried to pay Brantley to do that today wasn't going to happen. I was just like, there's got to be a, that's a crime or something somewhere. I don't know. But that's what he did. He took the mud. He mixed it with saliva. He put it on his eyes. And then verse 7, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. The word Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he just looks like him. But he himself said, I am the man. I love it when you have your own testimony, when you know what God has done for you. Amen. I'm the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked? He replied, the man they called Jesus. He made some mud. He put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed. Then I could see. Oh, that's good. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you bless today your word as we declare it, as we look at it. Just inspire us today in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and have your seat. So the beginning of this, it says, you know, why is this guy going through all this? Like, like, did they, like, did this man sin? You know, and so I think the question to be asked when you come into this is why is this man suffering or why is there suffering? I don't know about y'all. Have you been through some things? Anybody? Okay, I haven't been here in four weeks. I need to hear some folk talk up in here. Have you been through some stuff? Have you ever asked yourself, why me, God? Like, why am I going through this right now? I don't understand. God, and I, I don't know about you guys. I do my, my, my righteous boy list. I'm just being honest. How childish. But I do. God, I don't, I don't smoke. I don't cuss. I don't chew. I don't, okay, I'm sorry. I don't cuss much. I don't chew. I don't, No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I mean, I, God, I'm, I got my ducks in a row, and now why? You know, why am I suffering? And so with that, did God place blindness on this man? Because the scripture is saying so that the works of God might be revealed. So did God place blindness on this man? I, I don't believe so. I believe we live in a fallen world, and it's entropic. In other words, it's always atrophying. It's always going back to base. It's always, you leave a house, I hike a lot in the woods, and I'll come upon old homes sometimes. That house left alone, it will decay. This world will take it back, the nature of this world. And it's the same way with health. It's the same way with finances. We live in a fallen world, and with that, we face issues. We face struggles. We face problems. And this young little guy was born blind for some reason. But, oh, God was going to give it purpose. God was going to do something in this. So did God put blindness on him, or did he use the opportunity of something negative to bring about something positive. Did he use the opportunity of what this man has experienced his whole life to bring forth the works of the Lord, to show forth God's glory? I don't know what has happened to me. All I know is this man put mud in my eye. He spit saliva, told me to wash in a pool, and I'm the same man, and I can see. This is where we get the Amazing Grace song. I once was blind, but now I, now I see. That's, that's his testimony. And so his disciples, I'm going to go back to verse 2 and start working through this. They said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents, said Jesus. But this happened so that, everybody say so that. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This happened. This is an occurrence that's happened in this world, this pain, this suffering, this struggle. But guess what? God is on the scene right now, and Jesus is like, this has happened so that, watch me. This is so that, watch what's going to happen. This is so that, if you'll be patient and see what's going to happen, out of the mud, out of the mess, watch what I'm going to do. And it's not always, it's not always a definite. There's space in that suffering. For you to make choices, space in that suffering to run, space in that suffering to make bad choices. Your marriage is struggling and you choose that secretary as a distraction at work. I'm sorry, administrative assistant at work. There's space in the struggle. There's space in the suffering to go deeper into the negativity, to go deeper into the things that would not reveal the works of the Lord. Or there's an opportunity. Watch this. This is how I know this. So that the works of God might be displayed. Say might be. Man, when I saw that, I thought, that means that there's suffering at times that you don't see God's works displayed. There's things that people go through at times, and the way they go through it. And that's our choice. Why? Because we live in a world that's fallen, and we have choice to walk after God or not walk after God. To submit our, our mud and our mess to Him, or to make it worse. But here, it's happening so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And I want the works of God not just to might be displayed in you, I want them to be displayed in you. Amen? So I know what you're going through right now. There may be some stuff where you're like, man, I'm not seeing the fruit of my labor. I'm not seeing the, 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 the fulfillment of what I thought I'd be walking in by now. I feel like even more stuff is getting piled on. But that's all right. That's all right. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? That in that moment, what we see is God's power in this man's life and God's grace become evident to this man who has been blind since birth. And I know some of you in this room, you're going through stuff as well. But can I tell you something this morning? Ooh, I'm excited. I want to declare to you it's so that you will see the power of God manifest. Amen. That's what it is. You're going through some stuff, but it's so that you will know his grace is sufficient. You're going through some stuff. I know that. I remember years ago when I went deaf and I couldn't understand it. Do you know, twice in my life, I've got to pray for people. One time, a person completely deaf, I mean completely, I start praying, he starts screaming. He starts shouting. I was about 20 years old. He's a big, tall guy. And I remember I had to step up on a couple steps to lay hands on That's how high up his head was. They called him Bear, and that little block, Revival Center that we were in, it was about this big, about from here. Man, that place went ballistic as people ran and shout and jump and danced their hair down. I'll say it was a Pentecostal experience, it was powerful. But I say that to say, I got to pray for a guy. I wasn't the healer, I just was in that moment used by God, and I got to see his hearing come back. And then another time, years later, a man was deaf in one ear. So I go deaf, and I don't understand. God, why? I don't get this. I don't understand this. And over a decade of not being aided, guess what? I learned to listen better. You know what I mean by that? In a room, an environment where there's a lot of noise, I I had to concentrate. I had to focus. If you haven't noticed, I'm kind of a sanguine in personality. You know, little, little like ADHD. You know what I'm saying? And it's easy for me to be in a room and just, and just miss a lot that's going on because everything's going on, and I couldn't do that anymore. And God started allowing me to focus on one person at a time because I couldn't focus on a whole bunch of people at a time. That was a benefit. That was a blessing in the midst of what I didn't understand. Years later, people around me, God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh. That means the God that provides because there's no way I could have done this device on my own But churches in Georgia and churches in Ohio and you people and the fish, 104.7, the fish, with their Christmas wish, who knew? They surprised me on air and got me this device and the surgery. Ah, and it wasn't my miracle. It was our miracle because a whole bunch of people came together. Man, that was a unifying of the body to make a difference. And man, it was a blessing. And I would never have experienced that blessing had I not gone Def. Next thing you know, because I'm a communicator, obviously, I'm starting to get flown out by this company to do small talks and various things just to kind of talk about my own experience. Guess what that did? That created a platform to witness. Not to go, you need Jesus, but to live it before people. And I've had person after person in that community ask me about the things of the Lord. Person after person saying, I started watching online, Momentum Church, and it's making a difference in my life. In a couple weeks, I think three weeks, like middle of August or so, they're flying me out again for something to share. And it's created access, not to be like, hey, I get to fly out. and No, no, it's created access to be able to be the light of Jesus to people. If you go to headquarters, there's this huge banner that has my face on it. You don't want my teeth this big. I'm serious. I don't like them in my mouth. I mean, come on. And they call me Rev. Ross or Pastor Ross. It's crazy. And so I've been able to shepherd another group of people in different ways. People call with things. And I get to pray with them. And, and so there's that. And, and here in a few weeks, they're flying a crew down here to do video. They'll probably be in here doing some video on Sunday morning and um, just to, to, to tell our story a little bit more about everything that's going on um, with the, the device and all that kind of stuff. And so I would not have had those opportunities and that access to allow Jesus to be declared. So not only was he Jehovah-Jireh in providing for this, he was jehovah Nisi, That means the Lord got our banner. And so his banner, who he is, his banner over us is love. His banner, people have seen the love of God through our story with my deafness. And you know how many prayer lines I got in? Dude, I got in Benny Hinn's prayer line. I got in Reinhard Bonnke's prayer line. I got in Rob Parsley's prayer line. I got in, It's not people that heal you. Come on, somebody it's Jesus but in those services oh Jesus please I can't do this anymore every week sick to my stomach nauseated headaches every three or four headaches a week because I can't hear and I'm always trying to focus and concentrate I can't do this but God knew God knew amen and he knew somehow in the moment it's mud and in the moment it's spit but hold on God's <laughs> miracle is coming something's gonna happen and God gave me a medical, mechanical miracle. And now I'm a Borg. I am. My TV plays, I hear it inside my head. Amy and I are backpacking. I got a microphone. I put it on her backpack. And as she walks, I can't, I can't hear. So for years, she, we just didn't talk while we hiked. It was hard. Or she would turn around. She would mumble on purpose. And i go, what? And then she would. She knew she had my attention then. Then she would say what she wanted to say. Because she got tired of saying stuff twice. She's evil. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I want to honor her this weekend. Been married 28 years as of yesterday. <laughs> A testimony that you can not endure, people. No, I'm teasing. I'm kidding. No, no. I, that's for her, actually. She's endured me. No, but when it, <laughs> when it comes down to it, um, I just totally forgot what I was saying, Amy. What was I at? Oh, the microphone. So, yeah, she talks, and it goes in my head. This huge six-foot, seven-foot snake goes across the trail, and she goes, ah! Oh, my gosh. It was so loud in my head. And I didn't, I mean, I, I, I don't yell at my wife. I, I don't. Do I? Do, do I? No, I don't. But she screamed, and I went, stop that! Like, she, she's, oh, I'm sorry. She didn't realize how it was so loud in my head. I say all that, though. I say all that so that the glory of God can be revealed. Because so much good has come out of this, and I didn't even know it. And it's that way all through Scripture, you know? You can see Joseph. He was made a coat of many colors by his dad so that he would know his father's favor. Joseph shared the dreams of God's favor on his life with his brothers so that they would know the promise that was on his life. That favor had angered his brothers, and they threw him into a pit so that he would die. His brother Reuben stepped in and saved him so that he wouldn't die, but rather they sold him to a caravan heading to Egypt so that he could be sold into Potiphar's house as a servant, so that he could gain the attention of Potiphar's wife. I wanted to say something. I'm going to say it, skank. Okay, so that (laughs) she could accuse him of attacking her so that he could be thrown into prison... I mean, it gets worse before it gets better. I mean, it keeps getting worse. I mean, all these years of all these so-that's that are happening so that he could befriend a baker in the prison and a cupbearer and interpret their dreams so that years later when the cupbearer was working for the Pharaoh again and the Pharaoh had a dream, he was able to tell them of Joseph who had interpreted his dream so that Joseph was called upon to interpret Pharaoh's dream, which revealed a coming famine. So that Joseph could, under the wisdom of God, provide a plan to not only have enough grain for Egypt when the famine came, but also enough for the surrounding countries. So that this brought the Pharaoh's favor. Imagine that, from the prison. Now he's getting ready to go up to the palace. Pit prison palace. I've heard it preached a thousand times by hundreds of preachers. So that Joseph was placed eventually as second in command of the country. So that Jacob, Joseph's father, sent his sons to Egypt to request grain for his household. So the brothers who once plotted to kill Joseph, they'd be making that request at the feet of their brother, unbeknownst to them. And that's kind of how this stuff works. Most stuff is unbeknownst. You know, we can declare our testimony after our test, but you don't have the testimony till the test. You don't have the message until the mess. It's unbeknownst. I, I, I don't want you to look at Pastor Ross and go, oh, he did so well through all that. Look how God, no, no, I was a wreck through all of that. I only can stand here in confidence saying, look what happened. I just know if that happened in my life and the stuff you're going through, hold on. Don't make a mess of your mess. Don't, don't make choices and decisions so that the glory of God won't be revealed in the middle of your mess. There was a lot of things I did right and a lot of things I did wrong. But, man, God kept me, and he's keeping you as well. And we're going through stuff again. And guess what? I have more confidence now because I know I've had enough so-thats in my life to be able to know, hold on. Don't quit. Don't give up everything. Don't, Don't run to the woods and live like a hermit. I would love that. Don't do that. unbeknownst to them, so that Joseph would not only see the fulfillment of the dream of favor that he shared with his brothers decades before now, he would also now have the opportunity to show the grace of the Lord to those brothers that wanted to kill him. He was able to extend grace and a nation that would be God's people and he would be their God formed from that band of Jacob, amen, who would have died of a famine, had not Joseph been put into pit. Man, it's beautiful when you can look back and see that. It's frustrating when you're going through it. But this miracle we see here in Genesis, this miracle of rising up out of the mud and mess was years in the making, but God was faithful so that not one thing promised failed to come to pass. John 9, verse 3, say it again. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed. Man, you can see it in Jesus' life. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver so that Jesus was taken into custody on that night. And on that night, Peter denied Jesus, just as Jesus had said three times, so that the words of Jesus would come to pass. Through the process, Jesus was condemned to death so that he would be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, so that Jesus would become the ultimate sacrifice for man's sin. So that that three days later, he could rise victorious. So that Jesus could tell the women that came to the tomb to go and tell his disciples. And Peter, I love it. He includes that. Go tell my disciples and Peter. He knew Peter denied him three times. He prophesied it. He knew that was going to happen. But he wants to be sure Peter is some of the first ones on the scene. I love that. And Peter, what happens in him? Man, I love this. So that God could show His grace truly, that it's truly sufficient. Because on the day of Pentecost, it was Peter who preached the first sermon of the church so that we can now see how our mistakes, listen, and this might be a little controversial. Sometimes people preach too much hyper grace. But I don't want to go on the opposite side either. Amen? I don't want to go on the legalistic side. I want us to know grace is sufficient. And it was Peter who preached that first message so that we can see how our mistakes, our sins and our shortcomings can't even keep us from walking in the promise of the power of God. Oh. If in the middle of those things, we realize where we're at, we lean toward him, not away from him. Mud, get away from me. This guy I get I'm feeling something cold and wet on my what no I just heard Jesus go, "Get away." Amen. I think about that. Why Jesus spits loogies. That blows my mind. But he stood there and he, he dealt with what he had to do. Poor hmm. Peter was blinded by fear and the mud of ridicule was allowed to be thrown on him, but it didn't keep him from what God had planned for his life. Why? But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed. Let me jump back into the narrative, okay? Let's go over to John 9, verse 5. Jesus says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He is saying this before the blind man. He is saying this, I am the light of the world. To a man living in darkness, there's a glimpse of hope on the horizon. This man just declared, I am the light of the world. I've heard that he's a healer. I've heard the signs and the wonders, and now he's standing before me. Why would he be standing before me if he's not going to do something right now? Why am I standing before him if he's not going to do something right now? And that's kind of how some of us are at times. We stand before him expecting him to do something right now. And when he doesn't, we stop standing before him. But he's standing, and he's hearing this promise. I am the light of the world. There's hope for my darkness. I can see it. Like I said, on the horizon, it's coming, it's coming. And after this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's (laughs) eyes. It's coming, he's going to touch me. I've heard how he lays hands on the sick, and they recover, and it's going to happen, and now now there's mud in my eyes. Yeah. Jesus was going to use that dirt somehow to bring about a miracle. He's blind, he puts mud in his eyes. It's almost like insult to injury. And that's kind of how I felt through the years when we would go through things. People would speak prophetic words, and they felt like insults. I hath not seen or ear hath heard what the Lord has planned for you. Yeah, but this is what I'm going through right now. I see this. I see that God's going to do this. God's going to do that. Yeah, but this is what I'm experiencing right now, and it just felt like more mud was being added. He's blind, and Jesus puts dirt in, dirt in his eyes. That insult to injury. It's like, I feel like I'm already blind and then God adds some more mud. Maybe for you, I feel like I'm already broke and God allows my car to break down. I know there's nobody here that's ever experienced that. My marriage is stressed and my boss just told me it's gonna be mandatory overtime for the next quarter. God, come on. I'm trying my best here. And now this happens? There's tensions in the world socially, politically, and financially. And COVID hits? Exacerbating everything over the last few years? Yeah, feels like that, doesn't it? But can I tell you something? I want to brag on you all as a church a little bit, all right? Do you know COVID hit and you all kept faithful? I feel like I skipped a scripture. Nope, I haven't. Nope, nope, I'm good. You gotta, I haven't done this for four weeks, so just bear with me. Um, no, we're good, we're good. COVID hit, and you all just stepped up to be faithful. We, we said the very first Sunday online that we had to be online, we said that day that today will be the last day a church in our district here in Georgia won't be able to go online because they don't have equipment. And we raised money that day, and guess what, that next Sunday... Ken Davison and his church, they had all the video equipment they needed and everything to go live. Amen? The information, the people, everything they needed to learn, all those things was taken care of that week because of you all. And I'm not trying to just brag on you just so you pat your back. I'm saying a mess was put upon us, mud was put upon us, and you stayed faithful and obedient. And what's amazing is all through that time, pastor after pastor friend of mine, Churches have closed, giving has been down, attendance struggles, all those kinds of things. But you guys continue to be faithful. And I don't know if you know this, you were able to do $5,200 for the Ukrainian mission that we sent money to help with Convoy to help take care of people in need, the, those refugees to Poland. Man, that's awesome. During this time, the last couple of years, we've increased missionary support to our missionaries. You know, this summer, they raised scholarships for our youth, and it wasn't spoken about a ton. Pastor Tyler, proud of you, buddy. He shared a little bit about if you want to support a, a, a teenage. There was so many that was taken care of. I, I wrote down here, scholarships were given to the point that not one student that wanted to go to camp wasn't covered. Amen? Give God <laughs> praise. Amen? <clears throat> this summer... We were able to bless a single mom with a special need child who has to work because her man ain't providing anything, her her ex. So she has to work, but she has a student with special needs. And you all were able to give $2,000 to cover a camp that took place for that kid every day. And guess what? The times at the camp worked out to where she could drop him off and go to work, and get off work and pick them up. That's how long, the, it was long every day, you know? You guys, we were able to do that in the midst of all the stuff that's happened the last couple years. Was able to do that. And that's just a blessing. And, you, and I wish we could do that for everybody, every need. But you do for one what you wish you could do for everyone, amen? You, you, you just have to. You can't go, well, we're not going to help because we can't help everybody. No, we pray, Lord, this is a good need. This is a good thing right here. And that wasn't the full price of it. You know, her and her family raised uh, about a third of it, too. And so God provided. That's all I'm saying. That girl, going, that girl was going through mud that just keeps getting piled on and piled on. And today, this summer, you were part of her miracle. Give God some praise. Amen? Yeah, yeah. And then you can go into stuff that maybe doesn't seem quite as important, but, you know, coming on the backside of all this, you're sitting underneath the house with a new roof. It was starting to leak. We're starting to deal with stuff. You're sitting in a house that's cool today because our three air conditioning units that we have milked along for six or seven years have all been replaced. Amen. I'm happy about that. And we got a little bit of new blacktop out there. It's just blacktop, it's not gonna save nobody, but I'll tell you, I'm happy to see it out there. You know, it's nice. You know? And you guys were able to do a ton of stuff over the last couple years because of your faithfulness. The mud was getting applied. But I'm going to tell you right now, In the last, and, and Pastor Brantley always tells me, don't, don't brag on the people and their giving. Because when we do, you guys don't give. It goes down. But I don't care. I, I want to brag on what God's done. In the last two years, with COVID hitting, we've had the highest giving this church has ever had in the past two years. Amen? Amen. I mean, give God praise. I mean, yeah. That's why we've been able to up our missions. That's why we've been able to do all the things that we do in the community and so on. Because you've been faithful, because you all stay faithful in the middle of those struggles. You're obedient when you could have just checked out, because a lot of people did. In John 9, 10 through 11, how then were your eyes open? And he answered, the man who was called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. COVID hit, mud hit, and you stayed faithful. That's, that's the story here. Often it's only at the end of our obedience that we finally see. It wasn't the mud being applied, it wasn't that. He said, go and wash, and he went, continued to listen and do what the word of God was telling him, what Jesus was telling him, and in doing so, he found his miracle at the end of his obedience. Now I can see. All of this, it's so that his glory could be revealed. It's after we take that walk at times in life, Those hard days of just staying faithful even when you don't want to, making the right decision in the middle of the struggle, not the wrong decision. It's often when we do that that our miracle then manifests. And then you have a moment like this where you can look back and say, Look how good you've been, God. You were there all along. But in the middle of it, at times you're gonna grumble, you're gonna be frustrated, you're gonna have doubts, you're gonna have fears, you're gonna have temptations to make choices that would take you further from God's glory being revealed. That's why it's so important in the middle of that, you stand, stand right before the man, stand right before Jesus. The Lord, whatever you're doing, I don't get it. Mm. I don't like it, I don't like it. I'm standing before you, God, I'm not backing down. And when you say go, now I'm gonna go. So I'm gonna stand and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stand and I'm gonna do what you tell me to do next. Really, be honest, most of the stuff I've ever been through, through the years, that's really all we did, Amy. We just stood we ain't going nowhere until you say what to do next, and then we do the next. Okay, God. Now we're going to do this. And then God enters the mess, and when he enters that mess, oh, man, God does some great things. He comes into a dirt-filled world, and he begins to work with us to produce something incredible. He brings his living water into that mess, and yet, at times, it's not fun. At times, it gets on you. At times, you can feel that. Ugh. But you hang in there, you stand, and you go. You stand with him, and you listen and obey his words. And they can look like a mess for a season. But just remember, God is doing something with the dirt in your life. Amen? I'm going to finish with this. I know you all have heard this story before. But I was sharing it with my son-in-law a few days ago. And I realize maybe many of you haven't, because he's my son-in-law, and he hadn't heard me share this story. And so I have to share it, if that's okay, because I once was blind, but now I see. I have the vision now. I can say, oh, all this, so that I get it, God. And 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 Amy, and I, during the Great Depression or Great Recession, um, and many of you've heard this before. You know, it was one of those things. We're standing before God. Okay, what's next? There's no money there's no salary. There's, finances are tight. Well, how do we keep going? And one night I felt like I'm supposed to go to a dumpster to find food for Amy and I. A dumpster. I'd be like, oh, are you serious? What are you doing in this dirt? A dumpster. So I go. Guess what? Vast amounts of Enough to fill the whole table I have. And I have a huge table because I have a big family. I told Amy, I said, do not, you have to eat this. I'll tell you. She said, did you steal this? I said, no. I, re- I left that life behind. <laughs> but I, she said, no. I said, but I'll tell you where I got it, but you got to promise to eat it. And I told her. And for the next six months, 80% of what we ate came out of dumpsters. Now, I'm not lazy. There's been times I started a business when I moved to Georgia so that I could have earnings for my family, so we wouldn't touch too much of the money that we raised for the church, so we could start the church. So I'm not afraid of hard work. You know, there's been other times I've had other jobs and things like that to help help support my habit of ministry. I'm an addict. I'm sorry, <laughs> you guys are addicting. Um, but I didn't feel led to start work. I didn't feel led to, to to go get a job in that moment. And one night I'm dumpster diving and I find metal. Oh. Metal. It was a display somebody had thrown in there. I take it to the scrapyard. They give me money. Oh, I want more metal. So I'd start yourjunkman.com. And next thing you know, I'm hauling junk, and I'm taking metal. I'm selling stuff on Craigslist. I'm doing all this stuff, and, and money's starting to come in. But here's how God works. You ready for this? I had a bunch of stuff that I took over to the antique store on Bell's Ferry in 92. And you could rent little spaces, 20 by 20 spots outside a couple times a year. And I rented me a couple spots, and I put my stuff out there on a Friday night and Saturday, and I sold everything. But more importantly, I met an older gentleman that worked in the, in the antique room. He had his antique area inside the building. And I invited him to church, and they've been coming ever since. Amen? I always tell him he's the best antique I ever found. <laughs> Not just that, his dad was a Church of God Pentecostal church planter, Back in the 40s and 30s, 40s, 50s, I mean, he understands my heart. He's a friend. He's, he's been a, just a, a, a real blessing. You ready for it to get good? Years later, years later, man comes to our church, and he goes, hey, I live in Marietta. I visited a church last Sunday in Canton, and the pastor Friend of mine, thank you, Will Goodwin. I love you. He, he used to be at Oak Leaf. since his left, but, but man, Will Goodwin, he goes up to Will and he goes, Hey, I live in Marietta. We're looking for a home church and I'm coming. You know, I just want to introduce myself to you. And for whatever reason, Will goes, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I don't think I'm your pastor and I don't think we're your church. Well, that's a nice warm welcome. And so when he says this to, to this man, he goes, I think. Momentum Church is your church. I think Ross Wiseman's your pastor. And so this man comes the next week to our church and continues to come. I say all that to say, years go by. This blows my mind. During the process of time, the man that I had met, the older gentleman that comes to church, a man meets him at the antique store and says, do you know anything about auctions? Yes, I do. And they start an auction house. Okay? And the auction house does really well. Go down a couple more years. The man from Marietta that started coming to our church comes up to me or calls me and goes, Hey, pastor, I wanna know something. Do you know anybody that's connected to an auction house? I do. He goes, well, here's what it is. You may not know this, but my grandfather was a Chinese general, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 friends of a painter, has all these paintings from this painter. I'd like to have them looked at. Would you know anybody? Not only do I know somebody. Are you ready for this? The auction house specializes in European antiquities and Chinese artifacts. God is my witness right here in Georgia. People from all over the world fly in. These are these are seven, eight, nine, $10 million auction weekends. I mean, like this is a legit, real serious, crazy thing. Okay? (laughs) So he gets his stuff looked at. They do an auction, and he puts on his stuff that proceeds on a few items are going to go for the purchase of our building, the building you're sitting in. And long story short, the majority of the down payment that took place for us to get this building Came from, are you ready for this? Came from dumpster diving. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm just being honest. You see all those so that's? Dude, you, you don't, I pick up a cantaloupe and my hand falls inside it. It's like a loogie. Fruit loogie, that's what it was. It was a big fruit loogie. I jump. I jump in and grab some stuff. Now we got stuff on the top. We didn't go digging deep. Come on, so I'm not bad, that bad. But I did jump in one time to get some stuff, and <clears throat> there was rotten potatoes. I do believe the stench of hell will be rotten potatoes. <laughs> but but you know what? God was doing something. I could sense his leading. I I had not had joy in a long time in the ministry. I had just, God, I just made my list. Why this? Why this? Why this? And now I'm out going, God, you're providing food and metal. And, and, and I started getting joy again. Like, Lord, I can sense you in this mess. But I never knew all the so that's would line up to become 659 Arnold Mill Road. Never knew it. Hmm. And so I just want to say it this way, all right? <laughs> God's going to do something with your mess. I mean, I know you saw this coming. I'm sure you saw this coming. God, I mean, it doesn't look like much starting out. I'm going to keep this in my office just to remind me. Amen? It doesn't look like much, but God has a plan all along to bring fruit to your life, to bring manifestation of what he's working out. Just don't waste your sorrow. Don't make a mess of your mud, you know? allow God, don't get bitter. What Peter says, and we're going to finish with this. Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time. You're sitting in the proper time. This is what God provided for us, and he's still providing for us. I didn't tell you this with everything that's going on. You're sitting on a property, and it's not about money. I'm just like going from the dumpster to $1 million in equity. What in the world? Come on, somebody. That blows my mind. And again, it's just money. But there's equity in his property for whatever God's going to do in the future. I love that. So that at the proper time, so that, so that. I don't think it's an accident. It says, say, so that. So that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. There's you standing before him. Being sober-minded, being watchful, your adversary the devil prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firming your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his external glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so I want you to do real loud, if you're in the middle of your mess right now, man, can you just give God a big praise in here? Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's going to get on you. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be a mess. But hang in there, stand before him and be obedient in the middle of that. I, I want, if you are going through something, I'm going to close the prayer. If you are going through something, hold up your hand right now. Just if you're in this room, and you're like, man, I'm in the middle of that mess right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see my friends, God. Just allow them know that it's not just them standing before you. You're standing before them. You're standing in authority, in leadership, in compassion. You are standing before them. You're not distant as they go through this. You're right there with mud on your own hands. And their miracle is coming in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.